it's that time of year again uh, when it's quite common to look back over the last year, some reflection, some thoughts about it, and look forward to a new year. And uh, I'd like us to do that this morning uh, under three headings. Something to forget, something to accept, and something to remember and rejoice over with gratitude to God. And uh, you'll see as time goes on, it won't be quite like a normal sermon, but uh, nevertheless, I hope we find it helpful. And to help us, we'll look at some verses in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, You might want to turn to that. I should be reading them from here, but don't worry about that. But there'll be some verses from other parts of the scripture as well. So let's ask God to help us. Father God, it's by your grace that we're here at the end of one year and at the beginning of another. Father, your grace has kept us through this last year. Father, all that we are, all that we've done is by your grace. We are what we are, by your grace. We're conscious that we stand in it. Lord, it's the atmosphere we now breathe. Father, pray your grace to be upon us this morning as we consider some things. Father God, that you may speak to us. Uh, Lord, challenge us, help us, console us, encourage us, all the things that you can do. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Things to forget. Are there things about last year you want to forget? Maybe. Maybe they don't immediately come to mind. But I think it's inevitable for, for each of us uh, in varying degrees that there will have been disappointments last year for one reason or another. Things may not have worked out as we'd planned We may have put a lot of time and effort and energy into something, either individually or as a church, and the results are not quite what we'd hoped for. Maybe there's still some unanswered prayers. Uh, For those of us that pray for our family who are yet to be saved, um, it may be another year where we've still not had an answer to that particular prayer. Maybe someone's let us down. And we still feel the the hurt of that. Um, Maybe worst of all, we feel that we've let ourselves down. Or we've let the Lord down in some way. We've not pursued our walk with the Lord as we intended. We set out in the year thinking it's going to be different this year. um, But we failed in some way. Um, We've given into a weakness maybe. We've spoken unkindly to someone or we were, have been quick to take offence at others. Our pride rose up and we took offence. And we've kind of left with a deposit of regret. It's a strange thing, regret, isn't it? it? It covers all sorts of things. It can cover um, the things that are genuinely sinful and just things that have happened and we wish they hadn't. And even we may have a sense of guilt. And the phrase, if only goes through our minds. you ever said that? If only I'd kept my mouth shut. That's me. I speak when I shouldn't. I know that sometimes. Hmm. If only I'd given them the benefit of the doubt. If only I'd acted quicker, things would have been a lot different. 
and these things go round in our heads. But the problem is, if we're not careful, that becomes baggage that we take on into the next year. But God does not want us to be burdened with our past. Do you believe that? That's a general principle. God does not want us to be burdened uh, with our past because he's made every provision for our failure. New Year's resolutions may bring some changes in the future, but what about the stains of the past? What about the regrets uh, and the disappointments of the past? New Year's resolutions are not going to change that. But God can remove the stains from the past and God can and does do that as we bring them to him. Now the familiar verse will be a foundational verse for us as Christians if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a wonderful verse because it says that God does not just forgive us but he cleans us up. He cleanses us and he justifies us in his sight and we are clean in God's sight. And that's how God wants us to be. And you might say, well, yes, I know this. I know it in my head. I know that God forgives me, but I find it hard to forgive myself. You ever felt that? You say, oh, yeah, I know, I know what it says. I know it says God forgives me, but I'm looking back and I, I find it hard to forgive myself. I think the Apostle Paul probably had more things than most of us for which he needed to forgive himself. And uh, I will just look at that. Um, Right at the end of Acts of the Apostles, uh, we find that that, uh, Paul has been arrested because they think he caused a riot and he's before King Agrippa, one of the people that wanted to try and sort him out, uh, even to stop him maybe going to Rome. And uh, Paul gives his testimony of what it was like before he was a Christian. He said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. You can read about that in Acts 26. What a legacy this this man had brought with him. (laughs) But later, when he's writing to the church at Philippi, he says, one thing I do, The most important thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now he clearly hadn't forgotten the detail of his past, but it was no longer a burden which he was carrying with him, no longer a a ball and chain which he kept dragging along and remembering and, and regretting. He knew that God had dealt with it, God had forgiven him, and we can only assume because he doesn't actually tell us that he had forgiven himself. He would not allow that to affect and to spoil um, what God had called him to do. I think if we don't forgive ourselves, we devalue God's forgiveness. Don't we? You think that? If the holy God, the righteous God, has chosen at great length 
to forgive us and to remove the offence entirely, um, then it devalues God's forgiveness if we don't forgive ourselves. God has forgiven us so that we can be free from the bondage of guilt and receive his peace. Paul, writing to the Galatians, said, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I think it's fairly uh, certain to assume that God wants us to be completely free from guilt and condemnation and certainly he wants us to forgive ourselves. If we don't forgive ourselves, we hold ourselves in bondage to guilt and regret and we are paralysed by the past. What is more, we give a foothold for the devil to attack us and to accuse us and we are discouraged from praying in faith. Have you experienced that when you know you should be praying and you come to God but in your mind it's all your failures, what's happened this week um, and you feel quite down about it and there's regret, I wish I hadn't done it, wish I hadn't said it, whatever and there seems to be no faith rising in your heart to pray and the devil loves that, that's a wonderful landing ground for him, it's a lovely runway for the devil to come and to accuse us. So it seems so important that we forgive ourselves. Just as we are commanded to forgive others, we should forgive ourselves. So I hope you understand that that is what God wants us to do. Sometimes we, we almost feel, well, it's, I've just done too much, how can I forgive myself? It doesn't seem just to forgive myself. Well, if it's just for God to find a way to forgive you, then we should forgive ourselves. So that's the first thing. Something to forget. Things to accept. Over this year, your circumstances may not have been what you would have chosen for all sorts of reasons. They may even have deteriorated. Maybe health has declined and we can't do what we used to do. Um, That's going to be true for everybody at some point, isn't it? That's going to happen. Now then, Paul, the mighty preacher and great church planter whose declared aim was to preach Christ where Christ was not known. That was the burden of his heart, the mission that God had given him, to make Christ known. And he travelled all over the the known world, we call Asia Minor and other places around there, just doing that. This was his passion, this was his life's work. This is what God had called him to do, but when he's writing to the church at Philippi, he's in prison, with an uncertain future. So how does he respond to that? Well, if you look through Philippians that he wrote from Joel, there's no hint of complaining, no self-pity. On the contrary, he saw how God could use his incarceration to further the gospel. And in fact, the words that appear so often are rejoice, rejoice, be glad. He says this, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So he didn't moan about his circumstance, he accepted 
He had something that he accepted his circumstances and that God could use him even there, even in prison, when that wasn't what he felt he'd ever been called to, but he wasn't going to miss that opportunity uh, to be a witness for God. As I was reading that, somebody came to mind, and I think it's a modern example. Uh, Some of you will have known Carl Holmes. Uh, Carl went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. His home circumstances were dire. I have to say that. Really awful. And his health uh, was failing. And uh, some of us went, Derek went and uh, visit him. Uh, I did. I think Barbara had done in the past. We went um, because we had compassion for him. And we tried to encourage him in his faith. Often he would doubt his faith. But we tried to encourage him and pray with him and so on. But I was often there when one of the care workers came in. Often they were young women who came in uh, to care for him. I saw two or three different ones. And um, he would not let them leave before he called them over, got hold of their hand and prayed for them. And he he just prayed God's blessing on them. And I remember there was another couple of older ladies who'd come to... Um, talked to him about maybe some future accommodation. He wouldn't let them go either. He called them over and he prayed for them. I don't find that any of these people were offended and who knows the deposit that he has placed into their lives. And he was in a terrible state, really was. Uh, All things were against him and yet he took that opportunity. Now I'm not saying that he fully accepted his circumstances. He would have loved God to remove that but he didn't miss that opportunity, an opportunity that he would not have had had it not been for the circumstances that he was in. And I was so impressed. And these young women, they just stood there and they were really pleased to be prayed for. I thought that was fantastic. Now I'm sure that part of Paul's ability to accept his circumstances was not only his confidence that God could make all things work for his good and for the advance of the gospel, but also he was confident of his heavenly calling. He says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, that is, knowing Jesus fully, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. It clearly wasn't his ministry. He couldn't do that. He couldn't plant churches and preach the gospel and so on. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to having having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And what was that prize? That prize was to know Jesus perfectly. It was to when he knew, that when he saw Jesus, that he would be like him and that he would know him fully, that he would share in Jesus' glory. And... That's an important thing to remember for each one of us. We can get very wrapped up in the service that we're doing for God, working in the church. And the problem can be when there are disappointments and discouragements, there's nothing much left. But for Paul, there was plenty left. He had his eyes fixed on that day when he would be welcomed into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I feel that's important for us too. So let's make sure that we don't take unnecessary baggage with us uh, into this next year, uh, which will dim our faith 
and slow us in the race that we're running for Jesus. You remember the writer to the Hebrews said, let's throw off every weight. This could be the kind of weight, regret um, and, uh, and things like that. And uh, guilt, we, we need to cast them off. And resentments about our circumstances. Let's see what God will do through our circumstances. So then the third thing, things to remember and rejoice over with gratitude to God. Having thrown off, hopefully, those things that dampen the fire of our zeal for Jesus and his kingdom, we now need to add some fuel to the fire so that it will burn brightly, and it's the fuel of thanksgiving. It's easy to forget our blessings, isn't it? Easy to forget God's blessings. And sometimes we just need to be deliberate about just looking again, thinking again, how has God blessed us? Because I feel like me, I, if there's been a discouragement, that's the thing that kind of overwhelms me and I kind of forget. And um, somebody might say, how's your church doing? And I might say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we didn't have as many people at Family Zone as we did the previous month. And, you know, I can be like that. But that's not the point. We need to look for those things that God has blessed us. He says this, Paul, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's in prison, doesn't know about his future. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we will be asking God for things. We will be petitioning God for the life of our church in the coming days for this new year. And Paul says, let's do it with thanksgiving. So what I want to do now um, is to just give a little review of our last year together. Um, Forgive me if it's a little bit catalogue-like, but it's the best way I could handle it. And if I've forgotten anything important, please forgive me. If you think, I was actively involved in that and he didn't mention it, you know. Has he got something against... No, I haven't got anything against you. I've just... My mind's getting weak. Once I've gone through this, if you've got something that you, in your life personally, that you you want to give thanks to God for, give glory to God for, that will help us, or something to do with some aspect of church life that maybe I've touched on, but you think, I I just want to mention that, then come up afterwards, come up to the mic, we'll get the mic up, you can do that. Okay, first of all, children and young people. Um, We're privileged to... um, have Derek and with us and, and in fact when he came to join us he brought uh, two groups of young people with him and there were those folk here who helped him with that. But at Easter this year we helped Derek run a children's holiday club in Greenhill and it was a great team of people. Um, I'm so grateful for those of you who helped with that, that uh, holiday club. Many of you are not children's workers but you came, you got stuck in and um, there was somebody who was around about in, on St Peter's premises where we held it who is responsible for another club that runs there. And he said, I've been watching you people. Don't you work well together? Don't you work well? I think, yeah, praise God. Thank you that we do. So praise God for the unity that we shared and the opportunity uh, to affect some children's lives there at Easter time. 
In August, some folk here joined with churches in the town in running the summer club uh, with children. And then Ivan and Sarah went as leaders to New Frontier's New Day event. That was all in August. Family Zone has continued monthly to provide lively presentation of biblical truth for families. Themes covered this year were God is love, I am the good shepherd, lost and found, celebrating the king, Noah, Daniel, Jonah, Abraham. What an amazing catalogue of stuff that we've been able uh, to present, biblical truth that we've been able to present uh, to those who come. And uh, I think that's really exciting that we're able to do those things. On regular Sunday mornings, with some breaks for visiting preachers, we've preached through three series. Now I had to look, I couldn't remember the first one, but I had to look it up, so it's amazing, isn't it? But the first series was on the Holy Spirit, right at the beginning of this year. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Very important topic, which we will come back to frequently, because it's foundational for our Christian life. We followed that by a longer, with a longer series in Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, under the title, The Bigger Picture. Okay? And do you remember, that the emphasis was, yes, we have an individual uh, relationship with Jesus, and when we're saved, it's all about Jesus and me and my salvation, and I now have a, a heavenly father. But the apostles show us the bigger picture, the big story that God has drawn us into, which goes on into the ages uh, to come. Amazing. So we went through there and preached through that. And then more recently we had a series from Colossians 1 on seeing and worshipping Jesus. That's the most recent. I want to publicly thank God for those who preach here. We are so, so fortunate. I mean, the alternative would be to have me every week, and that would be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that we have the variety of preachers, and I want to thank them for the work that they put into preaching. Those of you that don't preach probably don't realise the amount of work that goes into it, um, even if it's just half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever. There's always a lot of work. And, you know, sometimes we have to wrestle with the Scriptures, you know, we've got to present this, this particular truth and we can't get our head around it. How does that reconcile with that? And you have to wrestle with it. So I'm so grateful for those who preach and for their commitment uh, to the authority of Scripture. We are fortunate. And uh, as you look around Christendom today, um, there are many churches like ours, of course, but there are many that are liberal uh, and want to reinterpret the Scripture according to culture. And so we need to hold on. So thank you, preachers, and thank you, God, for our preachers. Early in the year, the early part of the year, going around to the summer, um, we had a, an alpha course, which actually resulted in somebody being baptised a bit later, which I'll mention in a moment. So uh, thank you, David and Eileen, who were largely uh, responsible for that. On July the 15th, we had what has become a regular celebration with other churches in King's Hall, and if you think back to that day, can you remember Darren Blaney stuck in a wheelbarrow with his little legs dangling over the side? But what a message about trusting in Jesus. So that, that was good. September was a very busy time for us. Uh, and a particular milestone in the life of our church was Steve being made an elder. 
And uh, I rejoiced over that and continue to rejoice that Steve is part of the team. Uh, we baptised Steve Frost and Rob Canavan. We heard our, held our first Beacon Discovery Day for those considering membership. We're kind of rolling out a new way of bringing people into membership and that was the first of our Beacon Discovery Days. And September also saw the launch of an additional cell group. We actually multiplied. And that was great. Excellent. Um, then more generally, having felt that God was calling us to be more accessible uh, to the community around us and prophetically that we should be a family centre, we decided that we needed to do something with the front of the building to make it more welcoming and more accessible to people, less fortress-like. We used to have solid black doors and we had a fairly solid wall and gate and so on. And um, so we, we felt that by making some changes there we could be more welcoming to people. The first step was to replace the wooden doors for glass ones in September and then in November to re-landscape the forecourt and provide a proper wheelchair ramp. Now I know that some people had reservations about that before we did it um, but I, I trust that it's pleasing to you now and that you actually feel it's an improvement. I've, most of the comments I've had are from people outside the church and I've been out the front and somebody's walked past and said, cool, like the front of your church now, looks really nice. Other church leaders that I know come past, done a really good job with your church, it looks nice. And I hope too that, that visitors find it more welcoming. And uh, when we had um, uh, Betty's Thanksgiving service, the, it just after it was done and the ramp was used by a lady called Lisa uh, who is, is in a wheelchair, powered wheelchair. So that, that was good. So I, I hope you feel that, that that's been a worthwhile exercise. Praise God that we had the money to do it, that we had the money to spend on that. Part of our ongoing support for Maxine and the work of CMI Asia uh, was that nine of us uh, went out to uh, Dali in southwest China, spent two weeks in Sleepy Fish Lodge, uh, which was very nice. It was partly holiday, but we also got involved in the outreach that, that they are involved in, uh, in the villages uh, around the lake and in that area, um, delivering packages, gospel packages uh, to the people there. And uh, I feel, apart from the fact that there were one or two um, hiccups in, in flights and, uh, uh, and baggage, it, it were <laughs> which seemed to centre on one family, I, I don't know. <laughs> But, but I honestly feel that it was a good time. I think that the team out there were encouraged by our presence. And um, they're not here, so I can say it, but Adam and Luke did ma magnificently. They were absolutely fantastic, those boys out there. And I'm sure it's a good deposit in their lives too. Really excellent. Within a week of our return, we celebrated the wedding of the year, the wedding of Steve, Steve and... And Helen, with thankfulness to God, not just for their marriage union, but for what God's been doing in both of their lives, that they could actually come to that point. Now, God's been rescuing them in amazing ways, and we've had the privilege of sharing in that with them. So that was really a highlight for us. Just a bit before that, Steve Frost and Steve Dunn were speakers at a conference for caring 
for ex-offenders. And um, Steve uh, Frost has some experience there which he could bring, but they were speakers at this conference in Bedford in October. And out of that, we are fairly convinced that this is going to be a significant ministry for us in the years to come and the days to come. Steve Frost particularly um, wants to be involved in that. Um, I think we probably appreciate that people come out of prison and unless they're cared for, they're back in prison in next to no time. So that can be very, very important. Um, In November, uh, we had a successful quiz night with a good number of guests which raised £252 for Pathways for Poverty. Um, But there were a number of visitors uh, at that. And uh, so that was good. It was a good evening that um, Adrian and Bev um, uh, put on for us. Our cell groups have continued to provide midweek fellowship and discipleship and Coffee and Chaos and the Art Group have continued to welcome those outside the church, persevering in building relationships. We'd like it all to happen quickly, but it doesn't happen quickly. Relationships take time uh, to build. And it was good to see at that quiz night a whole table of Coffee and Chaos mums who had a mountain of food on their table. I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) But they obviously thought it was going to be a good time, so they brought loads of food. But it was good to see them. And um, yesterday, Bill shared with us at the prayer meeting that the relationships among the art group um, are beginning to move out from the Tuesday afternoon gathering and there are other other relationships forming that are really helpful. And uh, a few folks from the art group attended our Christmas services. <clears throat> I mentioned Betty Williams earlier. Obviously there's a note of sadness there. But we were able together to celebrate her life and to thank God for her and for all that we knew of her. <clears throat> Something new that started this year was, was Kev's Keep Fit class. Now after Christmas and all that you've eaten, um, there ought to be some more recruits, didn't there, really? Anyway, thanks for that, Kev. And, um, of course, just a week ago, our building was full for our carol service. I might have missed some things, for which you can bash me later, (laughs) but we're only a small church with limited resources. Look what God has allowed us to do. Look at the things that we've been able to do over this year because God has helped us, given us the energy and the resources to do that. So I think that little catalogue is a reason for thanksgiving and praise to God. Now, sometimes we just have to stand. That's what the Apostle said, didn't he, to the Ephesians? To stand. We have to stand and contend for our faith. There are going to be some things in the future where we're going to have to contend for our faith. There's legislation that's going on in our nation that is quite unbiblical and we're going to have to stand for that. But God has blessed us. Now then, is there anybody who would like to come and give a testimony? Come up, Rosemary. Come here. Okay, can you hear me? I'll I'll try and speak. Um, It's not only me that's benefited from being an active participant in this church, but 
my whole family have noticed the difference it's made to me, and therefore it ripples. So whatever you do for one person, such as myself, you do for many, and it will continue to grow. And I'm more than happy to say how wonderful it is to feel so much um, a member of a group which cares, which reaches out, which is very sensitive. You don't go in with big feet, but you're always there. And I'm more than happy. Ah, thank you. Anybody else got a testimony? Helen? On a similar theme for the wedding, I had a good third of the people there were not saved Christians. And um, for them to see, again, how we work together as a family, I had so many comments about the love, the selflessness, and ju- just what a feeling there was on the, on the day. Um, and, yeah, it was just... Some people said how different it was to other weddings. Other weddings they've been to could be generic for anybody. But this was seemed to be so specific to me and my life here. So it was that was a, re- a really good testimony of, of this church to other people. And hopefully they, they'll, they'll take something from that. So. Mm. Great. Anyone else? Okay, no doubt. Oh, okay, Steve. It's a testimony about me, but to join John in saying thank you, you guys are a pleasure to serve. Seriously. I'll I'll speak to other church leaders. Thank God for Beacon. (laughs) But seriously, you guys make it easy. Keep doing what you're doing, because we like a bit more of that in 2013. But uh, you guys make it easy, and you're a pleasure to serve, and we just love you guys so much. So thank you. Okay. Excellent. Anybody else? That's okay, it's on. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry. Good habit. Saves the battery. Christmas, my brother came up with his friend, lady friend, and it's only a little thing, but she bought me a fish for my car. Well, she needs to say I drive for I'll put fish in my car. But she bought me a fish for my car. Um, and that meant a lot to me because she knows I'm a Christian. And it's like Rosemary said, the ripples, they do go out. And people, when they know where you are in, in life and with God, they, and she asks me questions and I, I do the best I can. Um, but it's just a fact she bought me a fish and a little thing with hope on it for my key ring. And she always buys me Christian things, a Christian bookmark, things like that. So I just want to encourage you that when you do talk to people and they know you're a Christian, um, it, it's making an effect. It really is. And I know with Dawn, it's making an effect on her. Praise God. Mm. Good. Anybody else? Okay. We'll pray and give thanks. And if, Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. I want to say thanks to the people who come to uh, the fitness class. My vision was that we'd have 
men and women, but it's just men at the moment. And thank you, David, for being so loyal. But also, we've got someone from outside the church coming. So that's a greater vision of seeing, reaching out, relationships, as you're talking about. It's Simon from up at Thwaites Court. I can see him here with his wife and his family. That's what I got a vision for, mm. not just for Keep Fit, but for other people. Yeah. Good, thank you. If um, we could f- finish with Give Thanks to the Lord Our God and King, can you find some music for that somewhere? I mean, we'll sing it a cappella or without music, whichever. All right, but, we'll make it up. But, but while, you're, while you're sorting that, let's stand and uh, let's give thanks to God. Just, just speak out some thanks. Like, very simple sentences, doesn't need to be thing, but thank God for this last year. Thank God for all that he's chosen to do through us, for his grace upon us, for his Holy Spirit to help us. So just speak out your thanks. <laughs>